this is how I'm going to do the episode. Freestyles off the top of my head. So I'm going to talk about my life after religion. And then I'm going to talk about my life after sexual abuse and what Seth is like to start off with the fact that I'm still getting used to being my true self when it comes to interact with church people much differently than I did before because in this world you can't just interact with quote unquote your own kind you have to interact with other kind people. So how do I deal with church people now? Now that you said what you said about where you stand on religion, just answer that question, Tony. This is how I would say it. I think my relationship with church people are much better than they were before. Because I no longer hide my true feelings about my religious skepticism. Is it contentious? No. Is it nasty and disgusting in terms of how we talk to each other? No. None of those things happen when I talk to uh, people of faith that really do understand what outcasts should go to. Because it's coming from me, they don't get offended, right? I would say my relationships with church people and just people of faith are really simple. Things that we'll never agree on, we don't shy away from it, but we don't harp on it. What does that mean? There's no passive aggression, but at the same time, we understand that we appreciate the fact that I can't, we have a better understanding and a better rapport with each other because of what we disagree on, not just what we agree on. It's like I can understand the logic of where they come from on certain things, even if I disagree, and they can see the logic where I come from, even if they disagree, if I disagree, you know? So, I also, I'm going to do a part two of this tomorrow. So, whatever I don't get out right now, I'll give it to you in the morning. So, my relationship with church people and faith-based people, I think, like, for example, I'm going to be dropping my book very soon, in a matter of months, actually. It's a memoir about my life, and I think that I want to engage with faith-based people. I'm not the type of religious skeptic that shies away from religious people. If anything, I am more willing to talk to them because I was able to sort out my views on religion. Trying my best not to repeat myself because if you want to know my views on religion, just listen to the other episodes if you're a new listener. If you're an old listener, you want to hear new things, let me give you more new things. So, I want to talk to them and uh, I want to be honest with them about how they made me feel. 
what was it like for me to feel what I felt when I was in the four walls? What was it like to hear uh, conversations that gave me human rights abuse concerns? And for me to be around people that were very much uh, seated amongst themselves, very singular, not trying to get to know people who didn't think the same as them, or love, or the same as them, or live the same as them. Very singular. And so I really look forward to my relationship with religious people now because it won't be what it used to be where out of fear I don't say certain things, I don't show my real feelings, I don't show how my facial expressions really are. Now it's more very upfront, very respectful, but very upfront, very direct, but also very uh, kind. Okay, because that's a balance that I did not have in consciousness my whole life until this week. Now, when it comes to religious people, I no longer feel like, uh oh, if I share the fact that there's a lot that we disagree on. Um, then they'll try to uh, convert me and make me their brand of Christian. I don't have that anymore because I now have the I now have the conscious uh, strength to uh, not be rigid. I don't be rigid because I decided I always want to grow and learn and expand and be stretched. So I, there's nothing about me that says rigidity. However, at the same time, I'm willing to hold on to my core values no matter who or what is in, my, in the midst of my presence. So that's how I decided to be with uh, religious people now. I decided that I don't have to be around them as long as I did, that doesn't mean that they're bad people. It, it could be on Clubhouse app, right? Clubhouse app, you have secular rooms, you got faith-based rooms. It don't take long to pick, it doesn't take long to figure out which rooms are what because the titles get themselves completely away. So I decided that I can be in faith-based rooms when it comes to certain conversations that I know in my heart is honorable to the human rights movement. I said, okay, okay, what they're talking about, they're talking about, you know, the basics of faith and how to treat people, whether they are of your ilk or not of your ilk. And it's just calm and cool. And, you know, people are being very loving. I can get down with that. Now, if they start the religious right thing where the hijacking, kidnapping of Jesus type of deal where they, as Reverend Dr. William Barber said, they say so little about what God says so much. 
and they say so much about what God says so little. I will not be in those type of rooms on Clubhouse. And not just virtually, I'm that way in person now. Okay, I can flow with the whole talking about the character of Jesus and and how he has blessed so many people. Okay, I can flow with that conversation. But when they start talking about the concepts of tribal religion and transaction religion, that's when I step away and say, no, 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 no. Because, like I said, in the past, I don't want to be on an island of just secular people. I want to have faith-based people on that same island because I, I want to have a real conversation. I mean, I want to have the type of conversation with religious people that even religious people, a lot of them don't have lumps themselves. I want to talk to religious people about sex, about drugs, about alcohol, about partying, about the hot button issues of the Bible and not of the Bible, right? I, I want to do that. Don't get me wrong, we can have the base conversations, intellectual conversations, it could be poetry, it could be comedy, it could be restaurants, it could be colors that are favorite colors, like crayon colors, it could be favorite soda brands, it could be the typical conversations that people have at a coffee shop or at a park bench, B-E-N-C-H. And stuff that people talk about in the movie line when they get their movie food while they get ready to get the ticket and go on in the theater. The type of easy stuff, but I, I want to talk about the easy and the hard stuff. Like I want to talk to religious people about sex crimes, man, about how I felt when it happened to me and how hurt I was. I, I want to talk to them about everything because I don't like the walls that was put between me and religious people, even when I was in the church, um, for walls per se. I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of the mask, spiritually. The spiritual mask is a metaphor for you can't breathe in your soul because you're tap dancing, tiptoeing. And I said, no more of that with faith-based people. I am going to crumble those type of Jericho walls. That's my, that, I'm not insulting the Bible when I say that. I'm, talk, I'm using that metaphor to say, these are the bad kind of Jericho walls that just needs to be crumbled, needs to go, right? So that's how I am with religious people. I've talked about my life with sex in another episode, but I'm going to stick with this. Okay, so my life with after religion. What is it like now? Now, I have a secular community, virtually, and I'm having more in person. Um, I, I mean, I, I, what I want to talk to secular people about is everything I want to talk to religious people about. I'm like, I 
I'm a person who likes to go there, but I like to do it tactfully. So exactly people, it's like, I want them to understand, I want to, us, a stupid new thing, us, exactly. Um, when it comes to exactly people, when I say us, not us with them, just, okay, people are exactly like with me, that's all I'm saying. When it comes to us, I just want to say that, um, I want them, us, okay, I'm still getting used to it, be patient with me. To all the secularists who are listening. Um, I want us, secular people, to understand that my dynamics with my grandma's Jesus um, does not mean religiosity. Um, I'm saying that again because when you say Christ-like things like that, a lot of secular people get thrown off. So I want to say that I decided to take Reverend Dr. William Barber's approach, which is stop allowing people to hijack language that really belongs to us. So Christ-likeness belongs to secular people. You can't just have faith people take a turn. For me, I take it and I flip it into something different. It has nothing to do with, well, we're horrible at work and we need to be rescued. Mine is more of preservation. I don't use the word savior, I say preservation. Take care of who and what is already good, which is us as humans. Um, most people are not evil. Pure evil is a one out of 10 type of phenomenon. Adolf, you don't have a bunch of Adolf Hitler's just roaming the earth, no. They're minute, okay? But we're imperfect. You can be a good and imperfect, whole and imperfect, so that's where we are. So I wanna say that I've overcome cheap compassion, cheap forgiveness, cheap mercy, cheap grace. Uh, cheap love, cheap joy, cheap peace, cheap patience, cheap kindness, cheap faithfulness, cheap gentleness, cheap gentleness, cheap generosity, cheap self-control, cheap self-discipline, cheap modesty, cheap charity, cheap redemption, cheap repentance, cheap empathy, cheap sympathy, cheap pity. Those are all the things I was exposed to the rest of the world in the church. Now my life is filled with a real version of all of those good character attributes that I just named to you. So I look forward to now talking with people for religion, for example. When it comes to my book, there's a part in it that I want my best friend to listen to. Go ahead. My best friend is secular, right? But she's quoting biblical theology to believers because she understands that you have to speak a person's language. That does not mean subscribe to their beliefs. It just means you have to speak to them in a way that gets their attention. That gets them to go, hmm, let's look at things differently. Right? A lot of them say want young people back in the church. But what you have to do is do the work to get them not just come to the church, you gotta make the changes that they need so they can be in the church just fine. 
when they burnt the district three and were about the church belief that that's a different story that's private conversation you have to have sort it out but a lot of them don't want to do the work or a lot of them don't want to have people to come and who are training to help them sort out how to deal with these young people who may feel differently than the church Another issue I'm seeing is that we want to keep church the old way and expect young people to stay. And we chastise them for leaving, even, even though we know their hearts are grieving. That ain't right. It's obviously not Christ-like. I just wanted to say this other thing. Fake faith is more rampant than true faith. Yeah, religious freak shows out here. I'm not talking about sincere people of faith. I'm talking about the vipers slash hypocrites. Is it discerning distinction? Because, I dare say this, I've learned this term recently from listening to Beyond the Gatekeepers. Beyond the Gatekeepers is a beautiful YouTube channel where you have expansive conversations dealing with people who are still in the faith-based world. I love the channel. One term I've learned is Satanic Christianity. Mm, what is Satanic Christianity? It's when you make all things the Bible, the church, the Holy Trinity, and all completely in line with Satan and not completely aligned at all with Jesus. Basically, the seven deadly sins are the beliefs, cardinal beliefs of many churches. And the seven heavenly virtues are rejected by those same churches. I'm talking about the churches that have been kidnapped and hijacked by the religious right. I'm not talking about mature Christians. All right? There's a difference. I also want to say this as I close. Anything Mark said about religion and sex, I'll do the next episode. So you won't feel like, oh my god, no, this is me freestyling. If I freestyle at all, I'll end the talks on religion and sex for a month. This is the best way I can do it. Bear with me two more episodes. This is the first part one, part two. So let me say this as I close. I'm so proud of myself for understanding what my grandma taught me about Jesus. The Jesus of history understands my autism that I've been labeled. 
because the way Jesus was described in terms of how he saw the world, talking about the Jesus, not the biblical Jesus, Jesus history. Oh, different people now. That Jesus of history could relate to my autism. I think Jesus of history looked like me. I think we had the similar complexion. I think he was darker than me, honestly. Um, I could see Jesus having a neurological um, beauty about himself that many people would call autism today. And I can see Jesus relating to the abuse that happened to me because crucifixion, I mean, come on. And him being raped too, I'm like, the Jesus of history went through those things. I, I wouldn't say the biblical Jesus did. Um, to me, they're totally two different people. So my grandma's Jesus helps me out because this Jesus, the way that they try to throw religious language at him I can honestly say Jesus did not mean religiosity when it came to the religious language associated with him. He secularized religious language. And that's what I do too. Any religious language you can think of, I secularize them all. Every every religious word you hear, I secularize them all because that's what the Jesus of history does. Indeed. So I'm going to give you way more of the juicy stuff tomorrow.